Welcome back. This is Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. And this is our fourth episode of King Killer. And Dan, before we get into King Killer, I think you have been teasing me with a rant that you want to do. I don't know what it is yet. I'm pretty excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah, so there's a there's a new movie coming out. Well, there's a new old movie based on a book coming out. Uh and the day after Halloween is officially the first day that what can start happening, Luke? Uh, Christmas decorations. Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly what can happen. And um, as a result of that, that is also when all the Christmas movies come out, and they're remaking The Grinch. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. And I freaking hate The Grinch. <laughs> like you hate The Grinch movies? Yes. So. I hate two things about the Grinch. One, I hate the Grinch as a character, but I don't want to get into that right now. That's not my point. My point is I hate the Grinch movies and what they've done to how people think about this freaking holiday of Christmas. Here's what I mean. Okay, I'll be honest. I'm not super familiar with the Grinch movies, but you don't have to be. I don't think that matters. Luke, what do you call a person who's not super excited about Christmas? I, I, a Grinch. You I call him a Grinch. It's the freaking bane of my existence during November and December. Is I'm not super into Christmas. Okay, I celebrate Christmas, but I'm not like that interested in decorating for it. I, you know, I will buy presents for my friends and family, but I don't like. I don't care that much. I don't care if I have a Christmas tree. I don't care about that kind of stuff. And if anybody hears that I don't care about this stuff. They call me the Grinch, and they act like I'm a monster who's stealing Christmas from them. (laughs) That's not fucking cool. (laughs) You know, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, because I am a person that enjoys Christmas a lot. Granted, I'm not the kind of person that would call you the Grinch, but I know that I definitely believe you that that would happen. I've never thought about it from the other perspective, just because I've never thought about it from the kind of perspective that doesn't really like Christmas that much. Right. And the reason that I hate it is is because people appropriate the Grinch to be something that it's not. Like, I am not a Grinch. I'm not going around to people's houses stealing their Christmas presents. I just don't want to celebrate Christmas the way you want to celebrate Christmas. And I'm not saying you can't do it that way. I'm not even saying that. You're, you're saying we're diluting the term Grinch. Yes. Well, you're diluting the term Grinch, and you're making me feel like an asshole for not loving Christmas as much as you. It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> Luke, I've had to live with this my whole life. I've had to live with this for 24 years of people calling me every t- this, this time of year. I can't stand that every pop radio station plays Christmas music all the time or people want to listen to christmas music all the time i just like i'm not that interested in doing that i don't really like care to go look at christmas decorations i'm not gonna say you can't do it but maybe if you invite me i'm not gonna say yes because that's just not my thing it's it it would be like if during halloween you invited me to go to a haunted house with you and i was like yeah it's not really my thing and you instantly called me like freaking freddy krueger or some shit it's like no 
I'm just not as hype about this as you. Yeah, I can. I, yeah, I see what you mean. I, I, it's because there's there's kind of a thing where when people invite you to do something or just, I don't know, want you to be involved in something. You can't say no because you just don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Which I think we should be able to do. <laughs> For example, someone invited me to trivia like a week ago. It's like, I don't want to do that. I, I mean, maybe sometime that would be fun for me. I just, this week, I, I just kind of don't really feel like doing that. But I can't say that because they're going to call me a dick or something like that. I see, I kind of see what you mean about that with Christmas. Right. It's like we should be allowed to have preferences and to be able to choose things on our preferences because the alternative is making up bullshit excuses to not do shit. And it's like, I would rather you just tell me you don't want to do something then you'd be like, oh, I have to take my dog to the groomer that day at that time. Like, I don't, you didn't have to lie to me, dude. But there's totally this social pressure to not say you don't like to do this thing that somebody else likes to do. It's just like, that's, that's fine. That's totally cool. Right. It, it's not an issue. I don't know why it's an issue, but it's not. Uh, and it's, I also hate the Grinch as a character because who is the Grinch? There's nobody, nobody, like almost nobody in the entire world is that person. <laughs> like no one's actively trying to ruin Christmas. Yeah, no one's going around sabotaging Christmas. No one's doing that. So I probably not. It, I don't know. I can't say that for sure, but probably not. You know, that's true. I do come from a place of privilege, so I have no idea if there are Grinches out there sabotaging Christmas. Right. Yeah, I'll say that. <laughs> And one thing I'd like to say is this is actually on topic for our podcast because The Grinch is a fantasy movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, get excited for think? our next episode when we warm up dunking on the new Grinch movie. <laughs> You're going to go see it? Oh, you know I'm going to go see it. No. You know why? Because I'm a fucking Grinch and I'm not going to go see this stupid Christmas movie that ruins christmas you know what i hate the grinch because the grinch grinched christmas for me the grinch makes me hate christmas wow so he so he succeeded uh, yeah you are know. you letting the grinch get to you oh shit see the grinch is in it for the long game <laughs> well it's fucking working well played grinch well played god i hate the grinch so much all right I think I'm warmed up. I'm sufficiently okay. I'm sufficiently riled. I'm glad I, I'm glad I could get that off. I'm glad I could get that off my chest, Luke. I've been keeping that in for so long. <laughs> uh, this is the place for that. I think this is a safe space. And getting riled up is the like the mindset that we want to take to our podcast. I think absolutely. So, with that in mind, let's start talking about the book. Yeah, we're going to finish it up today. We finished up King Killer. Um, we finished up The Name of the Wind. Thank you. Yeah, we finished up The Name of the Wind day one. It took place, like I feared in our last episode, it took place over a day, which is cool. It's fine. We'll talk about it at the end, I'm sure. Um, any first impressions, Luke? Well, okay, so let me just say we left off last episode where Quoth had just uh like fleed or not fleed 
He's investigating the Chandrian up in Tebron, I think is the name of the town. Trebin. Trebin, Trebin I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he sees Dinna there. Which, of course, he does. <laughs> because Dinna was apparently on, like, she had been hired to perform for this wedding, I guess, by the sketchiest man of all time. By the most real person of all time, by the most definitely exists person of all time. Yeah, that person. <laughs> you think she's she's making up her uh her guy are you kidding me sponsor hey quoth there's this person that is super reclusive and nobody has seen or knows his real name and you've never seen before and nobody in the town has seen before but i was up here with him so that's what i was doing oh we also never found him or any sign of him <laughs> right because dinna did not know that quoth was going to be here no <laughs> so she sees him and is like oh shit i gotta come up with some reason for me being here i like to think denna just lives there like that's where denna's from often some like little little barrow um not a barrow some little like hill kind of town and so she's just like i don't want him to know where i live because he's really creepy already i'm just gonna tell him see i i thought you were going full-on She's a Chandrian. <laughs> uh, no. Well, I mean, okay, this, it is suspicious that she's there right after the Chandrian. Right. We, ta- I mean, we, t- I already explained why she's there in our last episode. She's, cause she's been, she's been. And I do want to point out, there is another piece of evidence in this last section that we read because Denna is talking to quoth and she looks into his eyes and notices that they change color depending on his emotion and how they look and and quoth says oh wow you know the only other person who noticed that was an old alchemist who taught me a long time ago and that person is ben (laughs) ben and denna are the if they're different people they're the only two people to notice that his eyes do a weird thing when he has certain emotions like they're the same person they basically came out and said it <laughs> you're full of, you're like super confident about this theory now now it's like 100 percent locked in for me how do you I don't deny know if i'm quite there <laughs> how do you deny that little piece that little nugget that little hint because you know we're not going to get it out in the open right away but there's going to be little hints so that later on when you it's revealed you're like oh that does make sense when i like put all the pieces together this is a little piece this is a little thing that was thrown out by the author by patrick to be like hey they're the same person they both noticed the eyes i um so i do think that there's something suspicious about dinner like i do think that she's more than she appears and honestly might be somehow related to chandrian or the emir i think they're called yeah I don't know if I'm quite there to where she's been, (laughs) but I will say (laughs) that little nugget I appreciate. So it's so good. And also (laughs) Luke, I will say that there has still been no romantic thing that happened between Denna and Quoth at no point. Do they like kiss or do anything that would be super gross for an old alchemist to do with, I mean, I guess they do like cuddle together. Late yeah, but night. that just sounds nice. It does sound very warm and comfortable. But 
they don't like do they don't like make out or anything right so like, there is that part where dinna is super high on drugs and is like bathing or something and is trying oh, to get yeah. quoth to come i don't know do the dirty <laughs> But granted, he doesn't. So right, that's my point. Is maybe Ben knows he's not gonna, and so has to play it off like this is. I mean, this is what Denna would do. So, I'm calling it, dude. Yeah, I think you should. I'm, I think you should stick to it. I'm here for it. Um, I'm gonna continue the rest of this, pretending like pretending like I don't think that Denna is Ben, but don't don't think that I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Wait, uh, before we go any further. Uh, Luke, have you read the next book in the series? Yes, I have. Okay, so you're like, you've read day two already. Yeah. Okay, so we should make that clear as well. I have not read day two, which I mentioned before. But Luke has read this one and also day two as well. So any like, Luke's not going to be making predictions outside of, or inside of what he's already read. So Exactly. Yeah. That's that's your job. You're the predictor. That's me in our relationship uh so one thing i wanted to bring up it's not really funny but the uh when i think dinna and quoth are just kind of searching around and they get i don't know if this happens when they first see that pig and quoth gets really scared and or like kind of intense and tries to protect her with his knife and then she brings out her knife and they have that little conversation about how women just have to have knives to protect themselves yeah and like this isn't going to be funny you know but i thought that that was kind of i don't know interesting and just an interesting thing to put in there because we're dealing with a lot of that kind of thing in our actual society right now yeah and reading that i was just like wow (laughs) that's like because it's also kind of seems very lighthearted in the situation right you know she's talking about it like it's something really normal which i guess it probably is right and then i mean quoth i think recognizes that it's kind of serious but not in a that significant of a way yeah i don't have that much of a point about it i just thought it was interesting yeah i mean i think it points really clearly to the divide between how men and women go about the world and how quoth didn't even think that was a thing that women had to deal with or would have and then was like oh yeah like duh i have a knife strapped to my thigh at all times because bad shit happen bad shit can happen so quickly to me and quotes like huh i never realized that right and it and it speaks more to that part that i i think diok is his name talked about in the last section exactly. that i also brought up in the last section yeah about how don't really judge dinner for a lot of things because the way that their society is is very difficult for her right like as a man you don't have the perspective to understand what she's going through and as a result of that you both like it's very difficult to judge her actions and decisions because she has a completely different set of circumstances and there's going to be a lot of things you don't know about just like how hard her daily life is that you don't have to think about which i think both came up here and it was like i agree it was kind of neat and very yeah. topical. Um, not something that you I was expecting to see in this kind of book. Which, I mean, it's not made a big deal in the book. but Right, right. I just kept thinking, so there's a, <laughs> there's a movie that came out when we were, I don't actually know, Crocodile Dundee, where he pulls out a knife. He's like, well, that's not a knife. 
and he pulls right. out a big ass knife i just picture her saying that as he pulls out his <laughs> little pocket knife and she's like that's not a knife and pulls out this massive this massive <laughs> dagger so that's how i thought it was funny that's fair that's a different perspective that i appreciate <laughs> um so moving on to funny stuff or less serious stuff at least thoughts on the dragon okay i love how quoth tried to bring it up and say like try and get the chronicler to think that they fought a real dragon when the chronicler wrote the book that was like yeah dragons aren't real they just right he he wrote the dracus book yeah they look like dragons they're definitely not and quoth was like then we fought a dragon and there's a pause in the story where he's like hey chronicler are you gonna stop me and Chronicle's like, if you say it was a dragon, I'm going to write that down. Because you told me not to change a single word. Fine. And Quoth's like, you guys are no fun. I will say, when I was reading this for the first time, I thought that it was a legit dragon. Just because he said it was a dragon. You know? And I got hyped. <laughs> because dragons are fantastic. And it was like, this book had been so long without any really notable fantastical or fantasy moments in it. And finally a dragon comes in and I just got really excited the first time. Uh, it so turns out I shouldn't have. I'll say my first thought when he, I, when he said dragon, it wasn't like, oh, it's not a dragon. It was, dude, Quote's going to ride this dragon and it's going to be the dopest shit. Yeah, that's basically what I kind of thought. But no, not the case. <laughs> Apparently it's an herbivore, so this dragon's vegetarian. And just, I couldn't quite get a sense of how big it was. Like, he kept saying how big it was, but also, it eats trees? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a giant lizard that eats trees. The thing that I didn't buy about that, it's essentially a dinosaur, is kind of what I think of it as, um... Because I don't know of any other reptile that eats plants. I couldn't think of a single one. Granted, I don't know. I'm not a herpetologist. I don't know anything. That, did you Did you look up that word? Uh, no. <laughs> but I could be very wrong. Yeah, I, I, you might be right. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about lizards. So, but the, he said, it, "I'm I'm just picturing something that was like six feet tall, and it was like on, on all fours." I'm picturing a crocodile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm picturing a very like a six foot tall crocodile, though. Whereas crocodiles now are like eight inches tall. Right, right, right. Okay. So, like I said, like yeah, I'm yeah. I picture and a and kind of a and a flat head, not a long. Yeah, head. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's I'm I'm with you there. Maybe okay. a shorter tail too. Regardless of what this thing exactly looks like uh i had a lot of problems with this whole interaction that they had with this what it what's it called again dracus with this dracus uh because while quoth and denna are up there playing scooby-doo looking for this duke or the chandrian or whatever they stumble upon they stumble upon this operation to produce the what is that stuff called dinner dinner resin the dinner resin and they don't realize it at first until denna takes a bunch of it and tries to eat it 
and then they put all the pieces together and they go so quickly from feeling bad about the guy being crushed by the lizard to yeah whatever he was a drug dealer so it's not that big a deal and i just want to say you don't know that (laughs) and my evidence you don't know if that's the right guy you don't know if he's a drug dealer because Mm. quoth is like oh you know we could sell this for a shit ton of money or we could give this to a pharmacy and they could use it for a very effective painkiller and it's like yeah so there's there's a chance that the guy could be making it for good reasons exactly and there's nothing to indicate that he was doing this illegally it could just be or even if it was illegal like he could have been doing the exact same thing that quoth is thinking of doing because it sounds like it's very lucrative either way and for quoth to do it it's totally fine but for this guy to do it he's a drug dealer who it doesn't matter if he gets crushed and they don't need to worry about burying him yeah, uh, I thought it was interesting how quickly they moved to selling it because that never goes well. <laughs> like if you found, I don't know, 20 kilos of cocaine or something, there's no chance at this point that you're keeping it and trying to sell it. You know that that's going poorly. 100%, 100,000%. There's no way because think about transporting it. You're never going to get it to where you're going to sell it legally because somebody's going to stop you and be like, why are you carrying why are you carrying 10 kilos of cocaine with you? You couldn't be like, I'm taking it to the pharmacy. Are you kidding me? Everybody says that. Plus, if someone finds you with it, if they're not a super stand-up person, they're going to try to take it from you. Yeah, 100%, Luke. I've seen movies. Just the maybe I guess, I mean I guess Quoth hasn't. <laughs> I would assume not. Although he's seen And a, he does that he does that nonsense math calculation when he's trying to kill the Dracus. It's like, dude, just give him all of it. Just just give him all of it. This gets at my second point, Luke. The first one is it's ridiculous that they assumed that the guy was a drug dealer and not somebody who was potentially doing this legally but just had to do it far away from people otherwise people would try and steal it and had to have a crossbow because people would try and steal it this this could point to somebody doing it legally the other assumption that they make is that their only option is to kill this ancient beautiful lizard that there's only like one in a generation that exists in the whole world okay not not that few but there right. are so few of these that exist in the world. And Quoth, they they get the sense that this thing is addicted to this drug that works on people, but this is a lizard. <laughs> they get the sense that it's addicted to this stuff and decide, yeah, if we don't kill it, it's going to go into town and murder everyone. What? <laughs> First off, that's a bold claim. They say it like so matter-of-factly. And like right like it's just assumed it's like maybe that'll happen but you don't know whereas if you kill it it's like it's dead like it's definitely dead at that point the second thing that they assume is that there is no alternative than killing it if it's this majestic and beautiful of a creature then this is not a human being just send it out like take it out with you into the barrows way far away from everybody and like throw the dinner resin that you have 
and let it chase after that. You know what? Even better. Get a stick, tie some dinner resin to the end of the stick, and tape the stick to the <laughs> lizard's forehead. And then just turn it in the right direction and let it run off. Because once it runs off that direction, it's not going to turn around and come back. It doesn't know where it is. It's fine. Right. Or when you get back to the university, which happens pretty quickly, I think, just tell someone that it's there. They'll get hyped and go deal with it. This is a way better. This is exactly what I mean. The fact that they only think that they could kill it is insanity. The, because yeah somebody at the university he keeps talking about how this is an incredible find and people would die to study it it takes like half a day to get back to the university downstream right you, yeah you just you go and okay he stays in trevin for a couple of days and i think the overall time that he said he was gone is like four days yeah but he stays in trevin for a couple of days after so he's gone for he in theory went up found the Dracus in one day. He could have gone home the next day, found someone, and told them about it, and they would be up there the day after that. Right, and they know exactly where it's going to be, because let's assume it's addicted to this drug. Okay, it's in, it comes in this canyon every day. Every day it comes here, and you'll find it. And he even has evidence that it exists, because people will be like, yeah, right, you found a dragon. And he pulls up one of these scales, and they're like, holy shit, we got to go see this thing. <laughs> like, this is a yeah. fantastic point. Yeah, plus he would get so much credit at the university. <sighs> Quoth's not, maybe not as smart as he thinks he is. <laughs> I think he just wanted to kill it. I think he's secretly bloodthirsty and was just like, I really want to kill this big-ass lizard. I think it's probably more likely that he really wants to impress Dina, you know? <laughs> I, he's trying to manufacture a way to have to murder this lizard in a cool way. He's trying to, like, how can I swing this so Dina thinks I'm cool? Ugh. <laughs> um, not to... We can keep talking about the Dracus if you want to, but I was going to move on really quickly to Dina and him trying to impress Dina. One thing I want to say is he keeps saying milady and he already i assume made up a story about being super cool and everyone clapping at his jokes and him bowing and he also <laughs> his tongue to dinner and says milady a lot look you, i, I you, didn't even realize you think he that. has a fedora you think he has a fedora dan oh my god you think that's the first piece of clothing that he bought when he came out of Tarbine? He first when he was when he was at the shop for the noble, he was like, "How about those hats you got? You got any cool hats for me?" The guy's like, "Well, we got this fedora, but only dweebs wear it. <laughs> Literally nobody has ever bought it. It's it's kind of a joke at this point." And he's like, "Oh, it makes me feel like like a film noir kind of guy. It makes me feel like I'm from the 1920s and very he's dapper." Like, Is that a genuine a genuine fedora? This will make me stand out. I like it. <laughs> Luke, I hadn't realized he kept saying milady, but if I had, it would have made it so much worse, honestly. Yeah, he, he does a couple times. It's wild. Uh, <laughs> and I think this was written before the whole milady joke was there. You know, like, I don't think people were making fun of people wearing fedoras and saying milady in 2005. No, but I don't think so. 
I don't. I'm wondering if. Well, okay. We already talked about how obviously cringeworthy it is. Yeah. Just everything he does with dinner. Yeah. And we're assuming that uh, Patrick is writing him that way because he's a 13 year old kid who thinks he's super cool. Yeah. You think Patrick is a fedora guy? Uh... <laughs> Let me just say, I don't know anything about Patrick Rothfuss. I he's probably very cool. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's... Patrick, please, please come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Patrick, come tell us if you're a fedora guy, and if so, <laughs> why? Yeah, tell us why you're a fedora guy. I'd love to hear it. We'd all love to hear it. Oh. Another thing that is <laughs> is another thing that I'm super annoyed with Quoth about. This is going to be flashbacks of last last week's episode when. I forget exactly what's happening, but Dinah's being, I, th- I think she might have taken, oh, no, okay, no, I remember what happens. Dinah has taken some of that drug. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out what to do next. And Quoth decides to go to to do this, have the staging area of killing the Dracus closer to Trebin because he wants to be like an hour closer to Trebin in case she does, she goes downhill and he like grabs her face and stares at her really intently and is like i don't gamble with the pe- lives of people who i care for which is like super intense and is probably really cool if you're dinner or something but quote you're 13 you've never been in a situation where you've had to gamble with the lives of people you care for like what are you talking about <laughs> yeah he loves to say these like incredibly intense things but he has absolutely nothing to back it up like right, like when when have you ever thought about gambling with the people with the lives of people you care about? Like he just said it because it sounds dope. He said it because it sounds badass. Which it would if he was I don't know ten years older and had done things with his life <laughs> and had not gambled with somebody that he cares about or had gambled with somebody that he cared about and they suffered the consequences. Either of those perfectly valid it would be cool if you said it then not now but no he's just now it just sounds kind of grating he's reading a line from a play is what he's doing he's like oh this would sound dope if a character said this right now boom uh yeah that's i i know we we roasted quoth and dinner last episode i just had to bring that up so i get it i get it i don't know if you have more about that but no i'm done with quoth and dinner that's fair that's fair i think everybody wants to be um we should talk again something else that happened that we already touched on but i still think is ridiculous when quoth and ambrose are on the horns and they're doling out punishment to each of them first off quoth's pretty chill there honestly and being like yeah zero lashes for this guy even though i could probably get him a few nice job quoth but they give him six lashes and expulsion and he's like oh crap but then they're like you know we don't really want to expel this kid he just like called the name of the wind he's definitely a cool student so we'll strike the expulsion and quotes like cool cool anything else like nope that's it just (laughs) just that he's like cool so those six lashes then are gonna be sweet yeah that's a lot of lashes like you've already decided 
it's fine. You've already decided, yeah, he shouldn't serve the consequences of this punishment. Right. It's, let's it's, see. Okay. Let's let's analyze what happened here. Yeah. Ambrose steals his loot and breaks it, which everybody knows is like Quoth's whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Quoth does a miraculous piece of magic and knocks Ambrose down. Knocks him down. Yeah. Unintentionally. Perfectly unintentional. Right. It would be like if Quoth vomited spontaneously on Ambrose without meaning right. to. He just like suddenly had a vomiting fit. And and this has happened before, often. With other students. Yeah. So they know that this is a thing that happens and they don't really in, like generally punish it by expulsion because they it's just a thing that happens that's how this works it's yeah it's like uh alchemist puberty that kind of happens people start right. suddenly spouting off the name of the wind n- willy-nilly so uh, quoth knocks ambrose down and it's said that ambrose has some injuries but it's kind of implied that he's faking a lot of it <laughs> so he gets knocked down quoth meanwhile receives six lashes and has to get i think it was like 54 stitches yeah. or something like that yeah that seems counterproductive it's like the masters are just they're just being assholes and the part that just like really gets me is quotes like yeah they don't give lashes to girls so it would just be a fine which i think is a little unfair it's like yeah that's like super unfair <laughs> right yeah like there should be that's way better fine <laughs> is way better than lashes where are the student protest groups of, against lashes are you kidding me how are they still doing this especially when they and they all make it seem so noble when quotes like i wish for zero lashes for ambrose and they like raise their eyebrows like oh man zero lashes wow, what a gentleman <laughs> it's like yeah who's requesting lashes <laughs> this is barbaric that would be the same as if someone I didn't like was in trouble and I could determine his punishment. And I was like, hmm, cut off two of his fingers. And they were like, that's all? That's all you want? Like, make it three. <laughs> okay. And first you did the calculation like, ooh, how many fingers could I get them to cut off? Not four. Right. That's too many. I think if I say two, they'll go for it. Give me two fingers. Yeah, it's wild because he's going to have scars like he's going to have whip scars on the back of his. Uh, Although, man, if they if he had given lashes to Ambrose, can you imagine this like pompous noble person with the scars of a whip on his back? Like, oh, quote, you missed a pretty powerful message there. there. It's a pretty good message. (laughs) But also the rich and the poor punished and whipped alike. They both bear the scars of this evil, sadistic university. <laughs> also, Hem just sucks. Master Hem just sucks. I that's like, right. This is such a brief. But in that scene, it was just anything Quoth said. He's like, no. Yeah, he's a very, he's a very shallow character, which I mean is fine. Books have shallow characters. Right. He's just there to be the super terrible professor. Yeah. And. One wonders how he became a master because no adult acts this way, right? I mean, okay, that's not true. No mature slash successful adult acts this way. Uh, that's probably not true, too. I also think that's not true. 
Okay, I I rescind that point. <laughs> but also, hold on though, because can we also talk about how the master archivist, who used to be super tight with Quoth, is now in the same camp as him for a lot of things, and it's like what? How? It's like, dude, he brought a candle into your library and didn't know that it was against the rules. <laughs> like, he, relax. He made a he made a boo boo. He did an accident. But chill out. You seemed cool. I thought you were cool. But you're not. I th- I think it's like, what's his name, Master Lauren? I think mm-hmm. probably has like high functioning Aspergers or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Is, is just because of based on the way that he acts. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to diagnose him. From a- <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, and uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. I mean, maybe that like seems to explain a good amount of stuff. Like he doesn't talk to people very much. Uh, and he's very like involved with the books and very involved with that process. Yeah. Right. So I think he has a way bigger connection with his books than with a lot, like a lot of the people that he interacts with. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Patrick did a uh, JK Rowling revelation post book series where all the characters are suddenly have some interesting some background, intense, some really cool meaning that uh, is really like prevalent in our current society. And <laughs> is totally not like a attention grabbing (laughs) that's like perfectly ambiguous in the book but she decides it's important to let us know turns out to be really inspiring and uh forward thinking and makes her seem like a hero uh and then everybody clapped (laughs) uh just kidding jk rowling uh please come on the show we'd love to have you (laughs) we don't need to sound desperate luke (laughs) I, I, every time we talk about an author at this point i just say please come on the show <laughs> Maybe. even though even though in our intro episode we said we weren't gonna be interviewing authors screw it jk Rowling, don't come on the no show. <laughs> no we've gone too far the other way okay yeah don't when we I, read we'll, harry potter we'll edit that out. if we read harry potter then jk right. rowling we would love to have you on the show we'd love to i know you're listening to this right now <laughs> well Luke, if she's listening to it, she is listening to it right now. So that was that was redundant. That's fair. Fair. Uh, okay, let's move on. I want to say, in the same way that I got hyped about the dragon situation, I got very hyped when he calls the name of the wind and then also got subsequently more hyped when he has that conversation with Elodin because Elodin makes it seem super cool. I, had, I, I already like. I already thought Elodin was pretty cool, just because of the. I think he's set up to be that way. But the conversation that he has with him is very, I don't know. Makes again, finally, an an actual fantasy thing, like real magic. I think is what they say a couple of times, and I got pretty excited about it. I had this exact same moment, like the like a yeah exactly like with the dragon thing. I had the same moment of like. This character is about to level up. He's about to <laughs> become way cooler. Uh, and yeah, the conversation that Elodin has with him is just like, he's found his next mentor to teach him the coolest magic. The other thing, there's there's one problem I have with that scene, though. And Quoth has already undergone this really weird training with Ben to learn sympathy. And at first it seemed weird and like it didn't make sense. But then he learned this super cool thing. 
and Elodin is basically telling him the exact same thing. Like, oh yeah, learning the names of things is very complicated and difficult, but we'll figure it out. It's hard to explain, but I'll, te- I'll teach you how to do it. And then Quoth goes to his friends and is like, that guy's crazy. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. It's like, Quoth, you've done this before and you learned something super freaking cool. <laughs> Which, okay, he to be fair, he does say something along the lines of that Elodin is like really talented or something or really smart. Right. But he's clearly not crazy. <laughs> or at least he's maybe a little crazy, but he clearly knows how to access this magic that you want to learn from him. And he's trying to tell you. Right. And... Elodin seems dope now, yes. right? What is he doing at this university? I mean, that's, that's my question. I mean, I think he's doing exactly this. I think he's waiting for students to have this moment because he says it happens to a non-zero number of students and it doesn't right. take a genius, right? Like several students in the past had this happen too. So I think he's there to nurture these students because... If he wasn't there, Quoth might be catatonic right now. Right, but here, okay, here's my thing. They could get someone else to do this job. Elodin seems to be the person that, the the Quoth before Quoth, right? Yeah. So he should be somewhere else doing amazing things. Well. Because I think they could get someone else that was pretty good with naming or, or that kind of thing to do this job. I don't get why he's not okay well okay so we don't know anything about what's happening in the outside world really right but it seems like he should be out doing important things like okay for example in i don't know say college if there's a uh like 15 year old genius that's or i don't know say 17 year old person that just gets their phd in i don't know physics or something like that and then they're like yeah i think i'm gonna go teach at a community college which i'm not comparing community colleges to this i'm just saying this this university is not doing like or elodin i don't think is doing like research to benefit the outside world he's just teaching essentially i don't know though because we don't know what he does all day true and and i'll say that you're not taking into account his like preferences he probably doesn't want to go out and teach right also that's fair also as we talked about last episode he definitely is a little crazy like he definitely is not a hundred percent all there um like i don't think that would inhibit him from going out and doing stuff but i think he wants to be at the university and i think part of that too is he really cares for the students that tried it seems like the students that tried to learn naming and their second mind has taken over and he hasn't been able to call them back. Right. I do think he is very uh, attached to the students that like he's very, he thinks it's very important to help the students that have, I think that's pretty clear. And I think if we knew more about what was happening in the outside world, I would be able to make this point better. I just, it's so it seems like, I don't know, demons are everywhere and it just seems like he could be useful elsewhere basically oh yeah maybe i think maybe but we definitely don't know enough 
about the outside world. True, true. Um, I think that's one of my things that I, I think is kind of odd about this book, just how, granted, it's the first book of a series right. or of a trilogy, I guess. But there's, we've gotten, we haven't gotten very far. It covers like how much, it covers, I think, less than a year of his story, I would guess. He's only there for like, I don't know, four terms or something like that. Well, but it covers like five years of his life. Oh, right. Okay. It covers before then. Right. And I don't know, maybe the rest of the story will advance at a faster pace. As in go go until he's like kind of an adult. Right. But it, it just, it seems odd to me that we've only, we've seen almost nothing of what I assume is the important parts of, quote, the adult story. I think that's true. Although a lot of the like, a lot of the names, his like nicknames that came up were addressed in like the fact that he was nicknamed the bloodless. We now know where that comes from. Right. And so, yeah, there were other names and like other things alluded to that he did that I think we'll probably learn about later. Um, But I think there will be a good amount of like essentially fast forwarding through the boring bits, just like in Tarbine, we fast forward essentially three years. And he whereas at the university, it's almost been a year and the number of pages that Quoth has made the Chronicler write has been almost the same as for Tarbine. So right, so I'm 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 kind of hoping in the next book it's or whenever it's like, and then I stayed at the university for a couple of years and leveled up five times and now I can go kill some demons yeah. or something like that. I that's that's what I. Well, that would make it more of a fantasy story, I guess, which I don't. I guess this is not really one of those. Right. Well, he does allude to it at the end where he's like, oh, I haven't even started talking about how I learned swordplay with these people. And like that to me was like, oh, we're about to get in some fantasy stuff. We're about to get into some sword fights and adventuring and questing. Oh, boy. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm also very excited to see how he learns naming and how he like it's it's left us with a very effective cliffhanger, in my opinion. Um, right, because it's right at the moment where he starts learning real magic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, w- I don't know. if I think they call it real magic at some point. He calls because, it real magic. Yeah. Because their other magic sympathy is kind of almost more of a science. Right. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting for the next book. And I guess a good way to end this book. Because, honestly, I was feeling kind of like, when is this going to get into an actual story kind of thing? Right. <laughs> and I, th- I think that kind of did it. Yeah, I agree. Well, and you know him and Elodin have to like meet up and start doing their thing at some point because they're basically the same person and he's like the coolest one at the university and you're like, dang it, I just wish Quoth would hang out with Elodin more. He sounds dope. Right. Yeah. So I'm glad we'll get some of that, at least for a little bit in the next book. Um, okay. Uh, at, with that being said, you want to talk about, since we're done with this book, how I guess we would rate it? Yeah. Um, So I'll go first. I thoroughly enjoyed this book. This book, the other books that we've read have all been good. I I don't think we've given a negative review of a book. This book. I don't think we will. No, probably not. Um, This book, I think, was the one that most had me 
turning pages. Like this one was the one I could not put down so far out of all the books that we've read. It was super engaging. And I really like at the end of every chapter, I was like, dang, I really want to read the next one now. Um, and I, I think I said that about um, another book that we read. Elantris, I think. Yes, Elantris. And the reason I said it about Elantris was at the end of a lot of chapters in the second and third act, uh, Brandon Sanderson left it with like a pretty good cliffhanger or something crazy had just happened. Um, and I think that is done really, really well in King Killer, where the chapters usually end or in the middle of something that is super cool and epic that's happening. And I just like you constantly want to keep going to see what's going to happen next. Um, so I thought that was super cool. Uh, <laughs> Luke mentioned the prose early on. <laughs> I think it's really beautifully written when they talk about the silence at the beginning and the end. It's very poetic, uh, but not. it doesn't seem like it's being, I don't know, like kind of arrogant. It doesn't seem like it's trying to impress us with the language. It just is written really, really well. And there's also... There's also some lines that are written in the book that I can't distinguish whether it was Patrick writing it or Quoth writing it because the characters, like it seems like Patrick wrote a lot of this book as I imagined Quoth would write the book, which to me is like such a great sign of a great story and a great storyteller. I think Patrick Rothfuss told, has told a really compelling story so far. Um, and one last thing, I just, I really like this book. So I'm going to say one more right. thing about it. Um, the way that he brings the cliffhangers of the story that Quoth is telling and the story that's outside of the story Quoth is telling where they're in the, in the tavern and there's that kind of chaos that's happening. And there's like this moment of suspense that happens in both Quoth's story and in the real world and between the Chronicler and Bast. And so there's this like, climactic point in all three of those stories that we're at right now i think that is was super well done um and the even though we barely got any information outside of the written story that quoth is telling it's still like the crazy stuff is happening in that world so i'm just like i'm super jazzed about the book i wish we were reading the next one for our next episode um but we'll get to that later, what we're reading next. Right. We, we will definitely read the next one at some point. It will not be in our next episode, though. Uh, let me... So, I totally agree with basically everything you said. I think, one... Again, I don't know what prose means. But uh, this is just, I don't know, masterfully written, right? Like, the, the, the way it's written is is, I think, just different from other books. And I don't have the expertise to say how it's different it just is and I, I i think it's super i don't know super great that way uh i also think the the characters we've talked a lot about how quoth and dinna are written very i think well as in quoth is a 13 or 15 or 16 year old guy who everyone has told him that he's a genius and it's clearly uh, kind of changed the way he thinks. And I think that's very well done by uh, Patrick Rothfuss. Same with Dinah, just she's also a teenage girl and has 
a backstory that we don't know, but acts in a way that I think is very intriguing and very, I don't know, accurate or, I mean, okay, so we don't know her background, but I, I, I think it's, I think she's a very strong character, even though, even though we don't like her a lot of times. Uh, and I think the world building is also really cool. You know, the magic system is very well defined, I guess. With all that being said, it's, it's, it's just not quite my kind of book. Like the book is amazing. I think it's probably one of the series is probably one of the best series of all time. It's just not the kind of book that I'm usually into. And I think this might be just because I'm reading it for the second time. Like with this first time I went through it, I was super jazzed about it like you were. And the second time I'm reading it, I can tell that it's an amazing book. But there's no swords yeah. and, or like super cool stories. All the stories that he comes up with or all, all the like nicknames that you mentioned, the stories are just kind of disappointing, <laughs> which is totally fine. Like, I, again, in a, in a way, I think this story is very different than a lot of fantasy books. And um, I don't know. The things that happen, uh, the fact that he says there's a dragon and it turns out to just be a lizard, uh, the music that is delved into really deeply in a really cool way. It's just, it's not the kind of book that I usually like, and that's okay, <laughs> you know? Like, I liked it a lot, but... Well, so we also read Elantris, which if I were to compare, like, any of the books we've read so far that have been fantasy books, I think... Elantris also doesn't have a lot of like fights or swords or really awesome magic that happens where they're using it to like fight and go on adventures and stuff. So would you say that there's like some kind of like those fall kind of outside your category of what you consider like fantasy or like your ideal fantasy book? Right, right. I, <laughs> I'm i a big fan of just, I don't know, cool fights and guys or girls getting really good at magic and big uh big like battles and things to overcome yeah like and i mean okay granted maybe that will happen in in the future of this series i'm sure it will honestly yeah it definitely seems like it will um so so if there was a book that was like your pinnacle of fantasy book do you know do you have that book do you know what that book is of your uh, style. It doesn't have to be the best fantasy book. Okay. But of, of the my, style you're talking like, about. Yeah. The style that I'm talking about is like Aragon. Okay. That's what I'm thinking of as you're describing this. Is it sounds like Aragon where there's these cool fights. There's dragons that fight each other. and But they're also like doing some other stuff. But it's a lot of just fighting and cool combat stuff. Right. I'm not saying Aragon is my favorite book. Right. Or series. I'm just... I don't know. That's my... That's my idea of what fantasy is yeah and this is not quite the same thing in i think in a great way yeah just not necessarily for me definitely i i can appreciate that i i think i'm not quite as like fight sword fights and magic duels as you in terms of my preferences for fantasy uh i still really appreciate those and i love a good like aragon is also one of my favorite books that i remember reading for that reason that the fights were so freaking cool and there was dragons and stuff um but i think i have like my preferences are a little bit different 
where I think this book is super good. Um, and yeah, like, like I think this book is almost, I don't think we usually think of fantasy novels as art necessarily. Mm. I think this is an example of how fantasy novels can be art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Granted, there's an argument to be made. Like all fantasy novels are art. Yes. I agree with that. But I think this is a book that, this is a book that, you know how some, like people like to quote certain authors in like everyday settings or for like inspirational. And I think this book actually had a good amount of like quotes. I don't want to say like we're mining it for quotes, but things where people could pull it out of context of the book and somebody else would be like, wow, that's beautiful. Um, uh, yeah, I just think this book was really well written. Um, did you have anything else you want to say about this book, Luke, or should we tell the, tell the people what's coming up next? Yeah, we can go ahead and tell them. So, well, first let me just say, I already said it. We will, I'm sure do the second book in King Killer at some point. We will circle back to it. Not quite yet though. We've got bigger fish to fry, Luke. (laughs) So, uh, we're going to be reading a book called the Crimson Queen. And that's by, it's by Alec Hudson. And this will be our first self-published book, I think. Mm-hmm. The previous books we've done have been kind of blockbuster books. This is by Alec Hudson, is a, I believe, a self-published author. Um, so we're super excited to read that book. Definitely. And that will be, we'll cover the first section of that, I, th- I believe, next week. Yeah, and we'll probably get about a third of the way. We're planning on three episodes uh, for The Crimson Queen. Uh, so plan on getting through about the first third for our next episode um but oh there was oh yeah this is also this is a fairly new book this came out just like two years ago so this right, will be 2016. the yeah this will be the most recent book that we have read uh which is gonna be pretty cool luke <laughs> um do you, do you have a way to exit <laughs> you know what <laughs> i always have a way to exit luke <laughs> The, we didn't get you set up super well. Uh, we, but we didn't. We really didn't. You know what, though? Every book's the same. And what I mean by that is every book, we're going to have hot takes. And we're going to be dumb nerds. And that's the ending. Ab- about it. <laughs> about about the book. About, about the book. There we go. Perfect. <laughs>